You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. A football Friday on Grant and Danny before the best weekend of the NFL calendar every single season. We've made it to the divisional round of the playoffs. Four games over two days to break those games down and to take a look at some of the coaching vacancies in the National Football League as well. Our buddy Michael Lombardi joins us, longtime friend of the program who does a great job breaking the league down. Always love his takes, his energy, his passion. Michael, great to have you back on Grant and Danny in D.C. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Always Very a pleasure. Well. Always a pleasure. You can check out his work, GM Shuffle Pod, the Daily Coach as well. All right, so why don't we just go through these games first, and we'll circle back to the coaching vacancies. Let's start with game number one, Jaguars-Chiefs. Can Jacksonville keep up with Kansas City? You know, the last time they played them, it was a 10-point game. Jacksonville scored late. And, you know, Jacksonville had the right approach. Their execution didn't work out. You know, six drives to start the game. They punted five times and missed a field goal. Then they missed another field goal. Lawrence wasn't sharp that day, and yet, you know, they only lose by 10. I think if he plays to the level that he played in the second half or like he played against Tennessee when he played in Tennessee this year, uh, they certainly can give him some trouble. You know, the problem is, you know, you've got to be able to maximize every possession. You typically are only going to get 11 or 12 possessions in a game, and against Kansas City, you can't have six punts. You've got to maximize every one. The game's going to be in the high 20s, 31-27, somewhere in there, and you've got to be able to score points. It's not time time of possession that's important. It's what you do with the football. And I think that if Lawrence plays well, they can keep it. I think the, I think the Chiefs win, though. If Kansas City wins, Michael, and, and you've been in this game and around it for so many years, if they win, that's five straight conference title games. Quantify that for us. I, I don't think people quite understand how amazing that is. Well, to get to the Final Four, to me, is the measurement of a, of a truly successful season. It is in basketball in the, in the NC2A tournament. It is in most other sports. The Final Four is what matters. And to me, you count your career by how many Final Fours you get to. That's what made New England so remarkable how many final fours they've got to during the Brady Belichick era. It's the same thing with Andy Reid. I mean, they're really good and Reid's very good coming off a bye. This year he played played a Monday night game coming off a bye against Tennessee with Malik Willis at quarterback and it took him to overtime to win that game. So I think it's remarkable. It's a tribute to what Reid's able to accomplish. It's a tribute to him being able to coach the quarterback and develop the offense with around him. Michael Lombardi on Grant and Danny. Game two on Saturday, the nightcap. NFC East matchup. A couple of teams. Washington played a combined four times this season, so we're very familiar with the six-seeded Giants, the one-seed Eagles coming off a bye. The Giants have the momentum now, oddly enough, after a huge win against the bad Vikings defense. And the Eagles have gotten just one outing out of Hurts in the last month, and it wasn't particularly good. Should Philadelphia be concerned or worried going into this game, or are they just better and they're going to win anyway? Well, I mean, the number one seed since 2003 have covered this spread 34% of the time, so there is worry. And coming off a bye, you're always a little apprehensive about how your team's going to execute. 
you know, and every team you play when you come off a bye has momentum because they just won the last game. So, you know, momentum goes away in the first quarter if you get punched in the mouth. It's the Mike Tyson line. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So, look, the Eagles have to demonstrate to the Giants that Hurts can run the ball, that his shoulder's good enough that he can take a blow and he's going to be able to run the football in their six-back offense. And then the Giants have to do what they've done all year, which is, which is keep the game close, get it to the fourth quarter, try to win the game in the fourth quarter. But last time they played in the Meadowlands in a game that counted, they couldn't convert third downs. They couldn't execute defensively. They gave up three big plays. They gave up a touchdown pass of 33 yards and a 41-yarder. So they couldn't make plays in that aspect of the game, and they got behind 21 to nothing. And when they did that, all of a sudden the game was over, and they can't play catch-up. The Giants can only play one way. They can only play like they did against Minnesota or against what well, they got to keep it close, get it to the fourth quarter, and find a way to win it there. At M. Lombardi NFL on the Twitterverse for our guest Michael Lombardi here on GND. So for Philadelphia's defense, that pass rush, 70 sacks this year, which is just an unbelievable total. I just want to scream about this all the time, how incredible that is. Is that going to be negated here against that Giants offense that you were, as you were talking about with how much they're going to run and how much Daniel Jones is going to run around? How do you see that going? Well, they got to run Daniel Jones in the six-back offense. What makes that Eagle total so unique and so remarkable is 60 of those sacks come from the defensive lineman alone. Mm. They don't get it from a corner or a linebacker. They get it from those down guys. They get it from Riddick. They get it from Sweat. They get it from Hargrave. They get it from Cox. They get it from, uh, they, they get it from their down Graham. They get it from those guys. So that makes it really hard. So they play zone behind it. They rush four. They play zone, and they say, look, if you've got to hold the ball for a half a second, you're not going to get the ball off. And that's what happened to the Giants in the first game. Daniel Jones really didn't have the time to throw it. The offensive line really couldn't handle it. Thomas got beat by sweat for a sack. Jones has got to hold on to the ball. You know, like, look, everybody loves the game he played against Minnesota, but we know Minnesota's defense isn't very good. This is going to come down to can Jones execute under pressure and protect the football. That's going to be the thing he's got to do. Michael Lombardi with us. Grant and Danny here on the fan. By the way, the Eagles, you just mentioned the distribution of the sacks for that team this year. I mean, the numbers when you dive in are crazy. Reddick 16, Sweat 11, Graham 11 among their edges, and then Cox and Hargraves combined for 18 on the interior. Just amazing what they've been able to do with those 70 sacks. All right, let's fast forward to Sunday, Bengals and Bills. This is the game we've been waiting for for weeks. Didn't get to see it, obviously, for good reason the first time. Cincinnati, a three-seed at two-seeded Buffalo. Bengals are going to be without some O-linemen, though, now, Michael, and I worry about Joe Burrow's ability to, to carry them without his tackle and maybe without a starting guard in this game as well. But it's not like the Bills haven't had warts. I mean, their defense looks leaky. Allen's turning the ball over. Handicap this one for us. Well, I mean, look, they, they've had a week to prepare knowing they weren't going to have a good line. They're going to get rid of the ball quick going to be a lot of short throws. They're going to run the ball. They have to run the ball. Miami went up there uh, in, in December in, in a cold-weather game we thought was going to have snow, and they ran for 188 yards. And Miami was 32nd in the National Football League in rushing attempts. Miami, even though they hired Mike McDaniel, a rushing game guru, they never ran the ball in Miami. And yet they ran for 188. Now, when they went up there with Skylar Thompson, they decided they were going to throw it all the time. I'm not sure that was a really good strategy to take a third-string quarterback and go up into Buffalo and throw it 45 times. But I think that Cincinnati will throw it. I think they can run it with Mixon and Perrine. And I think they've got to balance that the lack of offensive line. Look, they went through the entire playoffs last year on the road 
with a bad offensive line. Now, the kicker was hotter last year. McPherson didn't miss. This year he's not kicking as well as he did last year. That's going to be the difference. But this Buffalo team is not the same Buffalo team that we're used to. Even though they've won a lot of games and they've been able to endure, Josh Allen turns it over. They haven't been consistent. Now, they average 10.4 yards, a 10.4 points in differential, point differential between them how they, and when they win games. Last year that was over 11. So they've kind of come back. They need Isaiah McKenzie this week. He's back from the hamstring. When you're signing Cole Beasley and John Brown, two 30-year-old guys to play receiver, that tells me you don't have good receivers. They take away digs, and now where's the ball going to go? I think it'll go to McKenzie, and I think this is the most important factor of the game. Josh Allen has to run the ball, not from quarterback drop throws, but from the running game, quarterback power, quarterback sweep, quarterback counter, all those things. That's when their offense is at its best. If Buffalo doesn't win this game, they still had a great regular season, which would make four straight. But do we have to have kind of a difficult difficult conversation, Michael, about Josh Allen, who you mentioned, has some of those head scratching plays with the turnovers and the like? Because it'll you know, they lost in the conference championship a couple years ago to Kansas City, did make it out of the divisional round either the previous two years. That's pretty disappointing for a team as good as this. Yeah, I mean, look, he's a superstar talent. He hasn't played like a superstar in clutch moments. There's no doubt. He's got to protect the football, and especially when he gets into the red zone. The difference between Buffalo and Kansas City is when Mahomes gets in the red zone, he scores touchdowns. When Allen gets down there, he, he kind of makes some bad decisions and some bad plays, and that costs him. So, yeah, I mean, they have to, but I don't think they're as good on defense as people think they are. They were the number one all these stats we're going to read about. But when they play against teams that can throw the football, they struggle. They can't play man-to-man. They're a zone team. I, I mean, I will hear about Tredavious White and all this stuff about how great all these – They can't play man-to-man. You can attack them in the secondary, and if they can't pass rush, which they really couldn't do last week, there were throws that Thompson could have made in the game. Michael, final game of the weekend might end up being the best if Dallas can play as well as it did in Tampa, and that's the Cowboys and the 49ers. San Francisco has not lost since before Halloween. I know everyone's waiting for the other shoe to kind of fall for Brock Purdy, but I've been making the case, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, I don't think there's ever been a better situation for a quarterback. When you look at supporting cast, scheme, coordinator, defense, the whole deal, he just has a dream scenario, which isn't to take away from how well he's playing, but I really can't remember a quarterback having this good of a situation around him. Yeah, and Trey Lance couldn't play in it. How about that? Mm. So what does that tell you about Trey Lance? So I think you're right. I think you're dead on. I think Kyle Shanahan makes the game easy for the quarterback. And then they have the best yards after the catch receivers, running backs in football. So the offense is easy. It's fairly good. Now, what's the liability here? When does Brock Purdy show that he was a seventh-round pick? It showed up if he gets behind by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And if Kyle has to go to a drop-back pass game, which he really doesn't have. Kyle's a play-action pass, you know, know, run-first play-action throw the ball. He's not a drop back. We're going to throw it 60 times out of drop back protection. That's not what they want to do. And that's why Purdy has continued to look good week after week because they're allowed to play from in front. I think the biggest misconception is this defense people think is like the Ravens of 2000. It's not even close. Like you look at the numbers of what they've given up the last three weeks in terms of yards, points, first downs, compared to what the Ravens did, it's not even close. They're a good defense, but let's not forget this. Their offense allows their defense to excel. They're up 24-17. They turn the ball over, and now it's 31-17 games over. You see, their, their offense sets the table 
which makes it really more effective. Michael Lombardi with us here on Grant and Danny. Give me the four teams that are advancing. Yeah, that's a hard one. I haven't made up my mind yet. You know, this is a round where the home team really has a, has a distinctive advantage. I, I think San Francisco, I, I would think San Francisco, Philly, uh, I think uh, I'll go Buffalo and KC. I think those are the four best teams. That would make the best conference championship weekend of all. Michael Lombardi with us on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. As far as the Jaguars, there's a lot of praise being heaped on Doug Peterson, deservedly so. But do you think, like, in the case of Peterson, in the case of Dable, I mean, that is the story, or is is there a lot more to it than just two adults taking over and doing a hell of a job? Well, I mean, Dayball's doing it with very little. I mean, Dayball's team isn't very talented. We know this, right? He's got Daniel Jones to play really well, which is a tribute to him. I mean, the Jacksonville, I wrote this in, in September. I said Jacksonville was the most talented team in the South. I mean, Byron Leftwich turns the job down last year because he doesn't want to work with, with Trent Balky, and now he's out of, out of work. I mean, that was a really good job in spite of the fact what people were saying about Trevor Lawrence last offseason. I mean, it was Urban Meyer's inability to coach that was the problem, not Jacksonville's talent level. So I think they did. And Peterson came in and was the adult in the room. And he cleaned up, and he got them going. And, look, they, they're a wide, if they get Calvin Ridley back next year, they'll be really explosive on offense. They'll be really good. With ATN as a running back, and they'll add more pieces to their team, they've got to get better on defense. But to me, the Giants could take a step back next year because they've got so many other holes. They're not that talented of a team that they've got some holes they've got to fix. That it's going to take another two drafts to get them fixed. But Dayball did a great job of managing the quarterback and playing basically playoff football for 18 weeks. Just keep it close. You know, they'll make big plays in the passing game. They just they try to reduce the game. They avoid losing before they win, and he's done a good job with that. Michael, of the job openings currently in the NFL had coaching vacancies, I don't think there are any good ones. So two-parter, do you agree with that? There aren't any good ones. And what's the best of this bad bunch? Well, look, they don't give away houses in Beverly Hills. So, they're, what, they're, you know, you're talking about an NFL job. There's only 32 of them, and you guys live in Washington, and we know there's more senators than there are NFL jobs. So it's a harder job to get the United States senator. Mm-hmm. So you can't say it's a bad job. They are what they are. They come with restrictions. There's ground rules with every job that's different. you got to figure out a way to win within the ground rules. I mean, that's what you get paid to do. Uh, I think the Denver job's the best job because I think the owner understands what it's going to take, what he's looking for as a head coach. I think that's the most important thing. Oftentimes these owners don't know what the job is and what it isn't, you know, and then, so they search for it. So sometimes they make it as an offensive coordinator job. Sometimes they make it something else. I think that's the best job. I think Carolina could be a really good job if they got a quarterback. they got a lot of players there. I think Arizona's going to have to take some time. Indianapolis doesn't have a quarterback. They've got an owner who thinks Jeff Saturday's a good coach. Try to solve that mystery, if you will. And so, you know, it's a hard thing to do. you got, you got a lot of different parts. But let me say this. Guys, I know Leftwich turned one down last year, but you should never turn one down because they all have problems. And we're seeing it happen again this year. I mean, Ben Johnson in Detroit said no thank you to stay put with the Lions. I was really surprised by that. Well, he got a big raise. He's a young guy. He feels like they're going to play better next year. And, and there'll be 10 jobs open next year. I mean, we know there are going to be 10 jobs open next year because this year's a light year. So, you know, he, he probably feels like I'll get another turn at bat. When, to me, Leftwich was, was it Leftwich? Was it Arians? Was it Brady? You know, there was a mystery around it. Who was really doing it? 
And, you know, you need to cap it. When, look, I say this all the time on my show. I say it on my pod. The NFL is not about selection. It's about election. When you're popular in the polls and you're popular, your team's winning, you can get elected. I mean, Brian Dayball couldn't get an offensive coordinator job in 2013, 2014. No one would call him back. Nobody would call him back, okay? I know Brian personally, and I love him. But nobody was calling him back. Now, all of a sudden, he's the greatest coach since Newt Rockby, right? It's all about perception, and it's all about electability. And when you have a chance to be elected, you better take advantage of it. Our guest is Michael Lombardi. You were in New England in fourteen fifteen, I believe. So you weren't there. Maybe Casario was there when you were there. Was Nick Casario? I was there the whole time with Nick. Yeah, I was there through seven, through the end of the sixteen. So after we beat Atlanta in the Super Bowl, I was all the way through there. Okay, so help me out here because I thought really highly of him going over there, and I think the way that the, the Texans have operated the last couple of years has been abysmal. I didn't understand the Cully hiring at all. He'd never called plays. He'd been around forever as a position coach. It was kind of cool for him. And we have a guy on the station who who's buddies with him who was on a uh, you know played for him years ago. But everyone in the league was happy. But the hiring made no sense. They fire him after one year. I thought the Lovey hire was just as inexplicable and made no sense. Uh, this many years later, so they, two straight years made hires that I thought were bad. They fired those guys immediately, which almost makes as little sense as the hires. And now, for the fourth time in four years, they're going to be hiring a new head coach. And I just have to imagine this guy doesn't know what he's doing, but you worked with him. So you tell me, is, is he good? What, what's the deal with him? Well, you know, I don't know how the hiring process took to place, but I know this, that those two guys that you mentioned, they don't fit what, what I know of Nick and what he wants for a head coach. Could it have come from the owner? Perhaps. I don't know. But there was no way that was ever going to work. You hire a guy that didn't call plays before, who's never been in the New England system before, who doesn't understand how to develop players. There's a part of me that thinks Nick wants to be the head coach because he was when he, when Cully was the coach. When Cully was the coach, you know, Nick's in the co- in the in the coach's box and he's charting and he's co- you know so like Nick, if you want to be the coach, if you want to be Al Davis, go coach the team. The next year, Lovey kicked him out of the box, right? So Lovey said, "There's no way you're coming in." So like either you want to you got to hire somebody who fits your philosophy. You can't hire somebody from a different program. You know, all of us that come from the Patriot program, we kind of know what it means and what it takes. And we can speak a language that very few can speak. Not saying it's the right language. It's a language we all speak. You don't hire somebody who talks your language. You're going to be in trouble. Two-parter here for you, Michael. What's the quickest you've ever decided a quarterback is good? And is 19 snaps enough or 19 pass attempts in one game that's meaningless enough to decide that uh, Sam Howell's going to be the guy here going forward? What do you make of that? Well, I mean, just look at who they're interviewing for the offensive coordinator job. I mean, like, seriously, I think that this is – if I were Sam Howe, I'd be nervous, uh, you know, in that program there. I'm not sure Ron gave it a lot of thought when he fired Scott where he was going. You know, Ken Sampisi, Pat Sherman, did you watch Denver's offense two years ago? I mean, like, this is not good. So I think you're going to have to analyze that. I think there's a 20-game there's a twenty game rule for quarterbacks. you got to watch them play 20 games. That's a season and a quarter. And then, then you can make the decision because when you play good, the defense then alters it. I mean, what, Baker Mayfield was sensational yeah. for, for 12 games. All of a sudden, people said, you know what? It might be a good idea if we power rush the guards, make him play quarterback from the pocket so he can't see, and we'll see what we get to. And you know what happened? He can't see. He can't find the outside receivers. Not a good quarterback. So I think you got to go 20 games. Yeah, more, real quick, we'll let you go on this. But the, the OC search, because it has been – I give them credit. They're interviewing a lot of people, but I'll be frank. I mean, most of them are retreads that are very unexciting names. What kind of job opening is this if they're telling guys that you're likely going with Hal? They got really good receivers. 
but they're on record saying they want to run the ball a ton. Like, what do you make of this opening? I think it's a hard job because I think you got to be careful. You know, you, you don't. None of the coaches on the staff are with you, and I'm sure there's some guys on that staff that think they should be the coordinator. So I think it's a really hard job, and I think you got to come in with your program, and, and Ron's got to be able to give the guy the rope to run what he wants to run. And because if you're going to hire those guys, you got to do it. And so it, it's just really hard. I don't think there's great alignment there. Michael, thank you as always, buddy. Enjoy the games this Thanks, weekend. Bye bye. Michael Lombardi on Grant and Danny here on 106.7 The Fan. Excellent as always. Let's update where we're at on the OC search because there were a couple of more nuggets that came out today on uh-huh. some of the names they'll be interviewing next week. I do mean this. This has been way more thorough than I expected it to be. And I don't know what I was anticipating. Maybe just like three or four get interviewed. and then. But they're already up to seven, eight, nine people they've reached out to and a half dozen or so that are being interviewed or will be interviewed next week. That's right. So I... I I give them high marks for that. I'd like one or two of these people to be young up and coming, and and that really doesn't seem to be the the pool they're swimming in. But uh, we'll get you the latest on what's going on in the OC search with the Commanders. Next on Grant and Danny, your double play is a winning off the field segment today at 345 right here on The Fan. I think it's a hard job because I think you got to be careful. You know, you, you don't. None of the coaches on the staff are with you, and I'm sure there's some guys on that staff that think they should be the coordinator. So I think it's a really hard job, and I think you got to come in with your program. and And Ron's got to be able to give the guy the rope to run what he wants to run. And because if you're going to hire those guys, you got to do it. And so it, it's just really hard. I don't think there's great alignment there. Grant and Danny on 106.7 The Fan. Welcome back, and thanks much for making the show part of your day. So we talked yesterday about the possibility of recently departed Ravens offensive coordinator Greg Roman being an option for Washington. His name has really not come up yet in any of these conversations about who could be their next OC. But we know that Miami assistant head coach and running backs coach Eric Studesville is going to interview with the team on Monday. And now, new name, they're going to be talking to Rams assistant head coach, tight ends coach Thomas Brown next week for their vacant OC position as well. Thomas Brown is a guy who qualifies in the category that I prefer, which is very, very young, up-and-coming, little experience compared to a guy like a Pat Shermer, Mm -hmm. but maybe someone who's a little bit new school. Not just in how he views football, how he'd call plays, but also how he's going to act and interact with players, right? I mean, Thomas Brown had a very good career, at the University of Georgia, has been coaching under Sean McVay since 2020 as the running backs coach. And then to keep him there, they added the assistant head coach title in 21. And over the last two years, he's had that. But he was a running backs coach at South Carolina. He was the OC and the running backs coach at Miami from 16 to 18, where he got to call some plays. Started collegiately helping with running backs at Chattanooga and worked his way up at Marshall in Wisconsin. I'm interested in him. He's one of the few guys, I would say, that they're talking to who, A, comes from a staff where they've got one of the beloved young savants mm-hmm. on offense, and B, even though I think he would be a run-first guy probably, he was a running back, McVay, I think, really likes to run the ball. I, I, for years, used to have conversations with him, even when he was here, when he was calling plays, about how often he would run on first and 10 and how much I disagree with that, <laughs> but like... 
McVeigh runs a lot more than people think uh-huh. and, and appreciates that element of the game, and that's fine. You, you can win that way, as he's proven. But I, I think Thomas Brown would make a lot of sense for them. I'm intrigued by that name. There are three tiers of offensive coordinator. Soon-to-be head coach. Hot shot. Write your own ticket. Matter of time before they're running their own operation. The second is, you know, established, good reputation. Maybe they've already been a head coach once but they're still in the conversation. Then there's the third tier. That's available, right? Washington's in the third tier. That's where they're looking. That's where they're shopping. That can be old retread without a good rep, and it can be young guy that's been unproven, that you have to pluck from the middle of nowhere who's not in the queue for one of the other two tiers, and you got to hope that you get it right. Sometimes it happens with a head coach. I mean, look at Jim Harbaugh, for goodness sakes, right? I mean, or John Harbaugh, rather, in, in, uh, in Baltimore. A special teams guy who gets promoted and, by all accounts, is as, as good as they come. Just a good organizer, a, a, a leader of men, etc. Those guys, every once in a while, sort of jump up and prove it. Think of Sean McVay, a tight ends coach. Ten minutes later, he's in charge of a Super Bowl champion, right? This is what excites me. Not the retread tier. If you could get the, I don't know, you could think of a, a better name, but the kind of the Kevin O'Connells of the world. If you could get th- that guy on his pit stop to being a head coach, that's probably the best option. The second best option is what you're talking about here, the, the Eric Studs, Studsville, the Thomas Brown type tier, where it's a guy that you're probably skipping a year or two of quote-unquote coaching development. You're probably skipping where he's going to be you know, the passing game coordinator or kind of the second in command on an offense or something to that effect, and then maybe he'll be a, a more desirable up-and-coming head coaching candidate, and he'll be in that first tier. You get him now. All in favor of that with this operation, with with – Everybody else that's kind of old, established their way, I would love to try to find the next genius. You know what I mean? The way I think of it is something to localize it. The CIA doesn't go recruiting at colleges. They go recruit high school kids, right? Because they want they want to be able to mold and shape the next mind. You skip a little bit. That's kind of what I'm thinking about here is, uh, is one of those two names. So the names that we don't know much about, part of that is my own bias because I've got a, an opinion on Pat Shermer. I've got an opinion on Ken Zampezi. Probably not fair to those guys, but that's the reality of the world. The unknown here excites me because you might you might hold that winning lottery ticket. I still think this is Shermer, and that a lot of this is window dressing. I know that that's probably unfair, and I bet I'm in the minority on that. But if it ends with Shermer, I'm going to have a hard time shaking the fact that I assume this was all a dog and pony show, and that it was always Pat Shermer. Not because he was interviewed first, but because he was interviewed first, and he's exactly like the guy that we all predicted they would end up with. The name I kept saying was Mike Shula, but Patrick, Pat Shermer and Mike Shula are, are similar to me. They're, they're kind of the same guy. Shula, in fact, was his OC when he was a head coach recently. I mean, it, it's six and one, half dozen in the other. Do you think that th- they're leaning toward Shermer and they're just doing the rest of this to do their due diligence, or do you think they're eyes wide open waiting to be blown away, everyone's on equal footing. Given the Commander joke that kept coming true time after time after time after time, everybody on this staff, you know, I'm not even talking about, you know, coaching staff, because obviously there are a couple guys that weren't in Carolina, but like front office uh, staff members, junior scouts, and, and, and he, he brought the entire operation up. It's all guys that he knew from this mediocre time in Carolina, despite knowing everybody, because you've been in the league, both as a player and a coach, for 40 years. 
it was just a bunch of commanders. Then all the players were older, uh, former Carolina Panthers. It doesn't feel like they're going to do the, let's go find a hot shot. Let's go find the next genius. Let's go find the 36-year-old wonderkin that's, that thinks of concepts that I could never dream of because he's been raised in this modern NFL, right? It, it feels like it's going to be one of his buddies who's in his 50s. That's what it feels like to me. It always has. And Pat Shermer's right now the leader in the clubhouse to me for that designation. It feels like it's going to end there. You heard what Lombardi said about the job and how difficult this gig is. You know, we talk all the time about their quarterback situation being unsettled in a world where on a binary you've got a stud passer. There are only a handful of those guys, or you don't. And I'd even extrapolate it out to be more fair. I mean, on the planet right now, there's probably somewhere around 12 or 13 quarterbacks that you'd consider 17-game starters who can go out and throw 4,000 yards, 25-plus touchdowns every single year, and you just kind of staple them in for those numbers. It's like a dozen of those guys. Those types, you have one or you don't, Washington doesn't. So that makes it a little tougher. The other side of it is, obviously, though, we've talked a lot about how you don't know if this staff's going to be here. Yeah, You're signing up to work for Rivera. Is he going to be your boss next year? If they blow him out, you're getting blown out. I hadn't even thought about the point Lombardi makes, though which is actually excellent. How sure are you that the guys on that staff, including one who will have been interviewed for your job, are going to want to play ball with you? Like That's not fun. I mean, when you're brought in as a a host, let's say you went to another market, Mm -hmm. if you know that your producer interviewed for that job, it would be really awkward, I would say. And at times, that could be a conflict, some butting of some heads. I think that's really legitimate. I made the case... Yesterday, I think whoever they hire as an OC should be able to build their entire staff in in their vision however they want to. So if I'm an offensive coordinator, I want this running backs coach, this tight ends coach, this O-line coach. And that's not really the way Rivera has necessarily operated here. We heard conflicting reports when he was talking to Kevin O'Connell a long time ago when he went with Scott Turner, which made it easier to go with Turner, who was on the staff in Carolina, because all these guys had worked with Turner before. But let's just say you are going with Pat Shermer, if Shermer wants four new assistants and the assistants in those roles gone, is Ron going to allow that? Yeah, because he walk in on day one and go, I've got a great tight ends guy, running backs guy, and for the sake of argument, a wide receiver guy. Well, that means no Randy Jordan, no Juan Castillo, and no, um, uh, I forget the receiving coach's name, Drew, Drew Terrell. Terrell. Yeah, Drew, Drew Terrell. Is that is that allowed? I hadn't even thought of that, but that's a great point. It's 100% something that needs to be talked about. And I think it would be a reason, frankly, for him to go maybe with a Shermer. Mm-hmm. Because someone like that isn't getting interviewed a ton, isn't going to have another job waiting for him. You might have leverage there where you go, all right, Pat, the gig's yours, but you got to keep this staff in place. And he goes, yeah, no problem. Whereas if if you are up-and-coming 36-year-old running backs coach, assistant head coach, got a choice. Hunter McVay, mm. I'll wait a year. I'll go somewhere else where I might get to help actually assemble a staff rather than one that's already been assembled for me, including my quarterback's coach who interviewed for this job and didn't get it. Because that's uncomfortable. Double play every day at 345 on Grant and Danny Today. We are winning off the field. Phone lines are open for you right now at 800-636-1067. You give us your teeny tiny mini moral victory, something that made your day better, something that put a smile on your face that nobody else would care about. We'll do that next At 4 o'clock in 20 minutes, we're giving away passes to the D.C. Auto Show. 
over at the D.C. Convention Center. Looking forward to seeing who's getting those passes. Maybe this weekend you're going to go before the playoff games. We're Grant and Danny. Welcome back to Grant and Danny on the fan. It is time to figure out how you are winning off the field. You call us up 800-636-1067. You tell us what little tiny thing happened that made your day slightly better. Maybe you put a jacket on, you found five bucks in the pocket. Perhaps you wore some pants you hadn't worn in a while, and there was a piece of your favorite candy. Something like that that you didn't see coming. Danny, how are you in the win column? So we had a um, a, a pork tenderloin last night for dinner. It was very good. Uh, and I didn't know, you know, what to- I never know what topping to put on. I never know what sauce. I'm a sauce guy. I like sauce. I like flavor. And so we're messing. I'm like, do I want barbecue sauce? Maybe it's like some sriracha, maybe a hot sauce. I just couldn't figure it out. And the wife, the wife, says to me, you know, we've got mumbo sauce. And I went, oh. Well, I like mumbo sauce. I've never had it on pork tenderloin. I wonder if that's good. You want to know something? This is my public service announcement to all of you out there. It is mumbo sauce on a pork tenderloin. Mm. It was delicious. Therefore, I am. Winning off the field. I had a lunch that filled me up and wasn't that terrible for me. Hey. I feel like I ate moderately healthy. Uh Uh-huh. And somehow I enjoyed it. There were double meatballs, and chicken. It was a kava. It was a kava situation. Good meal. Well, you invented kava. Therefore, I am. Winning off the field. You know what else is good? Huh. Deviled eggs. Hey, I've deviled eaten, eggs. I've eaten deviled eggs recently. Therefore, I am. Winning off the field. That's how the game is played. I love Devies. Ryan's in Chantilly. Hello, Ryan. How are you? Good. How are you? I, uh... I scored major dad points today. Picked my daughter up at the bus stop. We drove to a nail salon, got daddy-daughter manicures, and the same color red painted on her nails, and therefore I am... Winning off the field. Oh, look at you. So you're driving around with red nails right now. Uh, I am, yeah. And I'm trying. I'm, I'm not keeping me at 10 and 2. They're at like 5 and 7. <laughs> Appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> I went to Sharky's today. Got the kids both haircuts. You know Sharkies? No, I don't know Sharkies. You have no file on Sharkies? No. Did you cut your own kid's hair other than that one time you did it really badly? Uh, lesson learned. One, I did it one time. So where did you take them to get their hair cut? I don't know. Seriously, I don't know. Well, Sharkies is the place. I think it's national. It's all over the country. But It's a chain? It's a kid's haircut place. Okay. So you go in. It looks awesome for a kid. There's toys and stuff everywhere. You sit in cars. Uh, my son had the choice of, I guess technically he could have sat in the frozen car as well that my daughter chose, but he he chose a fire truck over police car. Okay, and then he changed halfway through and he wanted Lightning McQueen. All of very a important to get the right so car. So he was in Lightning McQueen. But yeah, you sit in like cool cars and you run around. They give you a balloon on the back end and a lollipop. But they got their haircut at uh, Sharky. So my my oldest will go with me now. Like when I get, I'm gonna get my haircut tomorrow, and so is he. No problem. My four year old couldn't play for you. My four-year-old wouldn't be on Grant Paulson's team. Like if you coached a team, if you were How coaching a little league team, right it's long. I need to see it. I don't. I don't have it. Can I with get a picture? Me? Yeah, I'll see if I can find something. Yeah, fine. If not, take me a pic tonight and send it to me. Yeah, you. He do I would, need to come uh, come over there and get him to get a haircut? If, by the way, if you can, please do. We can't get him to cut anything. Like he's got razor sharp toenail claws, like a velociraptor. Oh, see, he just not like it. He just doesn't want anything cut. Oh boy. 
Let's go to Rich and only. Richard. Hey, Rich. What's going on, boys? How you doing today? Good morning. I uh, went up to uh, went up to Home Depot. Was getting some stuff for the grill, and then I found the Home Depot gift card that was gifted to me and my wife in my wallet that she's been looking for for three weeks. So I doubled up on the charcoal. Therefore, I am winning off the field. Nothing better than finding that gift card. I'm really bad at using gift cards. Oh, I'm before terrible at it. Like, terrible. I'll, I'll, I'll like put them in the perfect place, but then two years later, I'll find like six gift cards where I'm like, "Oh no, I did, this is fifty bucks to this. This is this is like cash that I just didn't use. I'm so yeah, bad at it. I'm terrible at it. So I had everyone knows I, I love the grooming lounge. I had like a couple hundred dollars in grooming lounge gift cards from like various Christmases. That's from two places ago. Like our condo, then we moved, then we moved again, and it like was stuffed in various drawers. Been expired for years. Like so expired. Like th- they couldn't have been more expired. And so I had to be like, hi, I'm not responsible. Can I have something? They were like, fine. They were nice about oh, it. Oh, you had the stones to ask? Yeah. Oh, that's tough. Because I was like, they were a gift. And I was going, here's, here's how I did it. Their DC location on, on K Street. That was like, that was my home court. That's where I was going to use them. And that hasn't been reopened since the pandemics. And it's only at the Tyson's one. So I was like, I would have used it in, in, on K Street, but you closed and I, I, I had nowhere to go. And they were like, fine, you I, idiot. I just don't have, I'm just, I can't, you know, I no, can't do no, that. You can't is. do that, but you can engage a stranger on their political beliefs or something, or like pretend that you were going to sit next to a guy in a, in a, in a theater. I, I wouldn't engage them on their political beliefs. Well, you've done it. But no, a lady was hot taking it about uh, Trump and a Uber one time. And so I asked her a bunch of questions and just kind of yeah, you could do that, but you can't uh, say, "Can I use my way gift card?" That, like uh, you know, the, the Daily Show sends someone out to interview someone. <laughs> I, I for your entertainment, I I talked to this lady for a few minutes. I'm not like walking up to someone at Seven Eleven and asking them what they think about the bill that might pass. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, if you're in the car and someone's hot taking it, I'll uh I'll play. You like them on? <laughs> put, put putting balls on tees for people. I'll see where this is going. Let's go to Lou in D.C. What's up, Lou? Hey, Lou. Hey, guys. Um, today I went to McDonald's, and I ordered the fish filet meal. Mm. And without request, they gave me a full piece of cheese and not the half piece of cheese. So, therefore, I'm winning off the field. First of all, you get the segment, so we appreciate that. Well uh-huh. done. I've never ordered fish at McDonald's. I know comfortably I can say out loud I never will. I don't even know what that sandwich would look like. But why is there only a half piece of cheese on it? Yeah, it's the it's the biggest reason I usually don't do it. The fillet of fish is a nice, refreshing thing. If you if you're at McDonald's all the time and you 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 burger consistently or you McNugget consistently or you breakfast consistently, it's a great change of pace. Good little sauce. It's a square fillet on your on your round bun. So there's now just, it's an adventure. There's no way I would enjoy. it. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Well, it's it's a it's a fried piece of thing. So you you'd like it fine. But there's other stuff that you would prefer. The biggest reason I usually don't order it is that is that piece of cheese. I need the full cheese. Well, is it not just is it American? Yeah, it's not just a square like you would get on a burger. I always I I, I thought it was me that they were like shortchanging. They were running low on cheese that day and would do so half they the piece tear of cheese. The cheese in half. I don't know what the policy is, but I, I know exactly what he's talking about. Filet of fish eaters know. I just I don't get the point of that. Is it to save cheese? I think maybe because it, it doesn't fit the right way or something, but I, let let the cheese that give me all the cheese. Yeah, don't deprive me of cheese. And if, if I'm having fish, you, you got to give me something on that sandwich that makes the fish taste yeah. less like fish. So it's a good little sauce on there. Can I can I ask you to do this next time you go to McDonald's? Get your meal, your regular meal. Okay, you can picture your regular meal. You know what you're getting. That's a quarter pounder with cheese meal, four piece nugget on the side. 
side of fish fillet. I'm not going to do that. Get a side. I'm not going to do that. What are you going to get? Side of, side of nuggets? Yeah, I'm going to do the quarter pounder with cheese, with fries and a Diet Coke, and I'm going to get a four piece nugget. Why not a six piece? I could do a six piece. Ah, now we're getting there. That'll do. Now you we're want, getting want there. Me to do ten? Ask me to do ten. Can you do ten? I'll do ten. Can you do ten? Yeah, I'll do ten. You can do. He going to do ten. But That's. I mean, try I'm, the fillet I'm fish. going to be very uncomfortable when I'm done. That's I'll, how you know I'll you be, ate. I'll be short on breath, and yeah. I'll be like. The rest of the day, I'm there not going to want to do a whole lot. Uh-huh. I could pull, figure it out for you. Beltway Blitz is next. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. And we are giving away passes to the DC Auto Show as soon as we return for the Blitz right here on Grant and Danny. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t 